introduce someone to you this morning that is a special friend of our congregation. You will get to know him over the course, especially over the course of our summer. This is Eli Yu. Eli is going to be hanging out with uh, your pastors this summer, hopefully learning just good things uh, from your pastors uh, as our intern over the course of the past over the course of the summer. Eli is a student at Chapel Hill. Uh, that other school down the road from the one in Durham. Uh, He's a student at Chapel Hill, and uh, he is looking, uh, he's feeling the call into ministry and is looking at continuing his education uh, in a seminary somewhere. So I want you to lay eyes on him this morning. Uh, You'll have an opportunity to greet him, I'm sure, uh, many times, especially at the end of our service today, but uh, you'll have many opportunities uh, to greet him over the course of the summer. Uh, And I invite you, particularly your small groups, your Sunday school class, your committees, find some ways to work him. Uh, Introduce him. Help help us introduce him to the full life of our congregation. I've invited Eli uh, to read our scripture for us. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Um, Today's scripture lesson comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it it was so. God made wild animals of the earth of every kind and cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. This is the word of God. You heard the text, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, for you and you alone are our rock 
and our Redeemer. Amen. So, we're looking at first things. We're going to be looking at text from the book of Genesis for the next couple of months. And by looking at those first things, some of these texts in the book of Genesis, that will spur us on to ask some really important questions. Questions such as, who are we? Why, why were we created? And why are we here? If you notice, our text this morning comes from Genesis chapter 1, which is an account of all creation, but we are only looking at, specifically, day number 6, the day in which human beings were created, the day in which all living creatures were created, and then human beings were given dominion over those living creatures. So we're looking at day 6. You see day six is the day when living creatures are created. And if you keep reading over into chapter two of the book of Genesis, you will notice that there will be an elaboration about day six. You will read more about how it was that God created the man and the woman in chapter two of Genesis. So just a few things for your consideration this morning as we look at this text. Obviously, this text teaches us and reminds us that we are created by God. We're not accidents. We were intentionally created by God. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So God created humankind. We are created by God. We're not accidents. We are here uh, because of the plan and the purpose of God's heart. We were created by God to do certain things here on planet Earth. You notice also in this text, and I particularly want you to notice this in the text with today being Trinity Sunday, you notice that it is only before the creation of human beings that there is consultation in heaven. Only before the creation of human beings do you hear a conversation from heaven about what they're getting ready to do. And you heard the conversation. Let us make humankind in our image. Let us make humankind in our image. Particularly as Christians, when we read this, we see the earliest hint of the Trinity in the Bible. Let us make humankind in our image. And as a matter of fact, there in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make humankind in our image. The word God there is Elohim in the Hebrew, which is a plural word. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image. So particularly reading this with the lens of the New Testament, with the lens of our Trinitarian faith, we perhaps see the first hint of the triune God. As Christians, what makes us Christians is we believe in a Trinitarian expression of God. Now, I know, I know that there probably has already been, if there hasn't already been, there will be the day when somebody will come to your door, usually two very nice people, they'll knock on your door, and if you give them a chance, they will be sure and tell you that the word Trinity does not occur in the Bible. 
And then if you continue to listen, those people who knocked on your door, those very nice people who knocked on your door, after they tell you the word, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, they will go on to tell you, see, that means that Jesus may be better than human beings, may be a step above human beings, but Jesus is not an expression of the divine. Jesus is not God in the flesh. Well, when they knock on your door, I hope that you receive them with great hospitality. I hope that you use that as an opportunity to witness to your Trinitarian faith. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we know to envision God. And as we read through the Bible, we, we know, too, the word Trinity does not occur in the Bible. They're right about that. The word Trinity is not there. But we see a Trinitarian God acting throughout all of Scripture. And then after the age of the apostles, as the age of the apostles was drawing to a close, the Christian church got together and they created the Nicene Creed. You'll notice that when we have Eucharist, Holy Communion, we use the Nicene Creed because that's an 800-year-old tradition. We use the Apostles' Creed the other Sundays, but when it's communion, we use the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed is the fullest statement, fullest expression of our faith in a Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. A few moments ago, you sang the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. I hope that you notice the hymn's the hymn, the hymn tune is titled Nicaea, because that's where they met, we met, to formulate the Nicene Creed, the fullest, simplest expression of belief in the triune God. So we know, as Christians particularly, that God is Trinity. We know that when we look at creation, the whole Trinity was involved in creation. We know that because we've read the book, we've read the Bible. We notice how at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, it says the spirit, the breath, the wind of God hovered over the waters and began to call order out of chaos. But then when we turn to the New Testament, such as the prologue to the Gospel of John, we encounter those magnificent words in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Of course, the Word is Jesus. And not only was the Word with God and the Word was God, John's prologue goes on to say, all things came into being through Him. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. So there was Jesus Christ at creation. There's Jesus Christ has, as an agent of God at creation. Paul picks up on the same theme in Colossians chapter 1. When Paul's talking about who Jesus Christ is, Paul says, in him, Jesus Christ, all, thing, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. So right here in the opening story of creation, we begin getting hints of our Trinitarian God. And we see God throughout the scriptures revealed as Trinity. We also notice in this text, not only is this Trinitarian God creating us, we hear that we are created in God's 
image. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. He goes on and says, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We're created in the image of God. What does that mean? Now, I would be fine if one of these days I make it to the, when I make it to the beatific vision and I see the face of God, if I see the face of God and, and, and discover that God is bald-headed. But I don't think that's what it means to say we're made in the image of God. So what does it mean to say we're made in the image of God. We've asked this question for 3,000 years, a little more than that, and we think we have a pretty good answer to this. To be made in the image of God means that, means that we are created with the ability to reason. Seems like some people more so than others, but we're created with the ability to reason. We are created with the ability for moral self-consciousness. We have the free will to make moral choices, regardless of what our mood may be in the moment. That's in the image of God. We have this free will. We can even, we can even experience the glories of imagination. We can even participate in, in God's ability to create in this world creating the world around us. God even allows us to participate in the creation of human life. This is what it means to be made in the image of God. We are immortal. We will live forever. We are immortal as human beings created in the image of God. Uh, the only question is what, what will be your zip code in immortality? But we are going to be immortal. All of us are created for immortality. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. And you notice here in the text, it says, God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And that means that both male and female together exhibit the image of God. Male and female complement one another and present the image of God to all of creation. Male and female together is, is central to what it means to be made in the image of God. Male and female together expresses what it means to be human I'm a little surprised. I never thought 38 years ago when I went into the ministry here in High Point that this text would become as confusing and as controversial as it has in our culture. Male and female, he created them. That's rather simple. Some people think it's too simplistic. I'm, I'm okay with the simplicity of this. Male and female, he created them. Here are the two genders that God created. We are in a rather confusing world. I never thought this text would become controversial. This year for the first time, when we United Methodists were creating our year-end reports, our statistical reports to turn into the annual conference, for the first time ever, 
for the first time ever, we were told to not only count males and females. We've always done that. We've always had to look at our our membership and try to figure out how many males we have, how many females we have. But this year, for the first time, we were given a third category. We had to turn in the number of males and females, and we also had to turn in the number for non-binary people. Some of you may not even know what non-binary is. That's your homework for this afternoon. It means when you really neither identify with male nor female, you you probably notice you didn't get an email from the church office asking you whether you're non-binary male or female. We just made some assumptions on this church family. I never thought 38 years ago this would become a controversial, rather confusing subject, how many genders there are. I've been told by at least one source that there may be as many as 20 different configurations of gender. Uh, Non-binary just simply says you don't identify with either of the two genders. We're being confronted with a very confusing age. And we're called to love everybody, show unconditional kindness to everybody. We are called to receive everybody as we would receive Christ. That's core Christianity. But we're also called to speak the truth in love. I I don't know to what extent this is based on the confusion of our age. But I do know this from the Bible. The Bible is very clear as to who the author of confusion is. It's a strange, strange day in which we're living. So God created humankind, human beings... In his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We should show great, great dignity, males to females, females to males. We should treat one another as people created in the image of God. And male and female together exhibit the image of God to all creation. So we're created by God, we're created in the image of God, and you heard in this text that Eli read for a few moments ago what it is we are created to do in this world. Again, back to the text. Let us, God says, make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That's the first commandment we're given in the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. We are called to have dominion over creation. We need to be clear as to what that means. We are given authority over creation. We are to live as vice regents of God in the administration and the ordering of creation, but we are not given dominion over creation in order to use and abuse creation. All of creation is God's good gift for us, so we have to receive creation as something that sings forth the glory of God, and we have to respect it, and we have to be stewards of creation as God's good creation, God's gift to us. He's given us dominion, but we have to We have to rule and reign over creation with the same kind of love that God rules and reigns over us. So there's our task. 
we are doing God's work here in this world. We are co-laborers with the Spirit of God in this world, bringing about what God wants to bring about in this world. You notice, I hope, that at the end of day six, and only at the end of day six, we read something that we did not read at the end of the first few days, day one, two, three, four, and five. At the end of day one, two, three, four, and five, you heard that God declared it was good. But then you also heard at the end of day six, when all living creatures, including humanity, was created, God didn't say it was good. God said it was very good. I hope that you understand who you are. I hope that you understand what it means to be made in the image of God. I hope that you understand that God is calling us to do the work of God here in this world as vice regents under him. If you keep on reading, and you need to keep on reading, the whole book is important. I know we have our favorite pet text, but the whole book is important. If you read on over into chapter 2, where you get more specifics about the creation of human beings. You, you see, for instance, marriage is created. Marriage is created for the sake of creation. Marriage is created for the sake of human society. Therefore, man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. There's the creation of marriage. But you can't even stop reading at the end of chapter 2. You need to read on into chapter 3 and keep on reading till you get to Revelation chapter 22, the end of the book. And what you will notice is that though we were created good, that's not our present situation. Genesis 1 and 2 presents to us a beautiful picture of creation theology. But we need to balance creation theology with a theology of redemption, a theology of being recreated in Jesus Christ. Because what we see in chapter 3, we'll talk about it next week, is the fall of the human family into open rebellion against God. And now that's our congenital, congenital disease that we share. We're in open rebellion to God. And then the rest of the book is about how God in Christ recreates us. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, Paul will say later. And if you get to the end of the book, Genesis, Genesis shows you the Garden of Eden, but the book of Revelation shows you something like the Garden of Eden, but something far greater than the Garden of Eden. The redeeming work of Jesus Christ is not just going to take us back to the Garden of Eden. The redeeming work of Jesus Christ is going to take us to even a far better, greater place. But we can't stop reading after chapter 2 because we need to remind ourselves we are not in the Garden of Eden anymore, Toto. We were created good, but now we need to be recreated in Jesus Christ. God doesn't create any junk, but then sin and rebellion comes in, and sin and rebellion mars the image of God. Sin and rebellion destroys everything that it touches. We'll talk more about that next week. Would you pray with me? God, we're so grateful that you created us. We're so grateful that you will not leave us alone. 
but you pay as that ultimate compliment by continuing to recreate us in Jesus Christ. Take our nature and make it new. Take our lives and make them into new creations in Jesus Christ. Amen.